You're listening to Money and Meaning, Unlikely Allies, Building New Markets for Impact. With your hosts, Lindsay Smalling and Alex Kravitz. Check out our website, socialcapitalmarkets.net. Let's join the conversation. Welcome back to Money and Meaning. I'm your host, Alex Kravitz. On today's episode, we have a conversation with Rebecca Massasak, the CEO of TechSoup, and Ken Sunoda, their Vice President of Development. For anyone who may not know them, TechSoup is a global nonprofit that helps to facilitate the flow of goods and services from leading technology companies to nonprofits around the world. As I mentioned during the interview, we haven't had a lot of nonprofits on this show with our focus on market-based solutions to global challenges. However, last year, TechSoup became the first nonprofit to launch a national direct public offering. The direct public offering is available to both accredited and non-accredited investors, and they've raised over $8 million in the past year with investments as small as $50 or as large as a million dollars. During the conversation, we dive into some of the mechanics of issuing a direct public offering, challenges and lessons they've learned over the past year, and what's next for TechSoup, how they're going to spend this growth capital. So with that, let's jump into the conversation with Rebecca and Ken. Rebecca, Ken, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Alex. Rebecca, for any of our listeners who who maybe aren't familiar with TechSoup, could you give them a little bit of background on, on the organization and the type of work that you do? Yes. So uh, TechSoup was born as a San Francisco-based local nonprofit organization, 501c3 designation, in 1987. But we're now a nonprofit network that's operating in 236 countries and territories. And we have a a mission around building a dynamic bridge, uh, leveraging technology to enable connections and innovation with this lofty mission of creating a more equitable planet. We do that in a lot of different ways. We are a multi-stakeholder platform, so we do things that make it easy for the corporations that have technology to offer and other kind of service providers uh, who have you know, helped to offer this way, um, as well as foundations and others to reach the nonprofit community in a way that will strengthen the resources and capacity available to them. And uh, we also then, uh, on the other side of that platform, and kind of as our main audience, focus on um, nonprofits, NGOs, charities, libraries, social benefit organizations of all kinds all around the world. And so that's essentially what we do. We use technology to make those connections happen. But we also, as a network and as a working at the community level, um, you know, innovate around uh, ways that people are making their, themselves strong digitally. So it's how they're bringing benefits to their beneficiaries, as well as how they're operating their, their organizations and using technology that way as well. Got it. Could you give an example of one of the organizations that, that you work with and, and maybe how TechSoup has helped them reach the, the next level? Yes. So we've worked with about uh, more than a million, about a million two um, organizations around the world. So there's there's quite a, a you know cross section there, and you will really find pretty much any social issue, whether it's you know health services or humanitarian aid, uh, domestic violence, any any kind of social issue area. We've probably helped quite a few organizations, and whatever town you're you're from, uh, you'll probably find that. At least 50% of the nonprofits in your area working at your community level will have benefited from resources from TechSoup. Um, we're, we're providing that infrastructure to them because they're doing that meaningful mission work. And so just to give an example or two, like 
uh, in a small town in upstate New York, suffering New York. Um, there's an organization that's focused on African arts and culture, uh, and their, their name is uh, Chiku Awali. And um, they're an organization who has no technology staff. Um, they're, they're often taking that culture to the library, to the community, or to nursing homes and this kind of thing. And uh, they do, of course, need to schedule things and, and have grant reports and things like that. So they need to use some technology. So uh, they actually got a grant for something that we have called a help desk service. So, you know, for $35 a month, they now can have this outsourced support that is specifically focused on um, a nonprofit, you know, infrastructure and whatever they are using. And, and they have somebody to call, you know, when they have an issue. That's just one example you can get. You know the hardware, the software, uh, the the solutions and services, and, and increasingly cloud offers and educational materials as well through TechSoup. So that's an example of the kind of thing we do with a small organization. And there are many examples like that. Just to give you an idea of the spectrum, um, we work with a, an organization in uh, Mexico called Similis, which is a one from the '90s, one of the early women's funds focused on uh, women in the global south. Uh, and, uh, you know, because of the NGO source service we have, which is working with U.S. foundations to make it easier for them to do grant making in other countries um, by providing a repository of equivalency determinations, um, which was normally part of their process, but one that every foundation had to do separately. Mm -hmm. And because we're using a technology platform together with a, a really uh, kind of amazing knowledge base uh, that we've put together working with a lot of people who are experts in the field around who is a social benefit organization in, in all parts of the world, um, we are able to make that, that grant making expand and be easier to do for about 4,000 uh, organizations to date and about 400 uh, grant makers. So that's another kind of stakeholder group that gets served through here. And NGO Source helps organizations like that. And like another example is an organization called Fern in the European Union that it is one of the very few organizations focused on forests and uh, environmental issues like that. So um, those are just some examples. But like I say, if you looked across the more than a million organizations helped by TechSoup at, a, at an individual organization level, mm -hmm. that's the picture you'd see. And when you start to look more kind of at issue area, we've done a lot of very interesting things to help many organizations work together collaboratively and not have to kind of create their own technology to solve their problems, um, but rather make it easier for them to share uh, technology applications. So we've done that for migrant work, worker apps with our Worker Connect uh, program, and we've done it for domestic violence and human trafficking organizations as part of the Safe Shelter Collaborative. And then we do lots of other kind of community projects as well that are focused on, you know, apps for cities or media and literacy training. This, this international reach that we have lets us be highly locally relevant. And at the same time, because we're a global organization with a substantial infrastructure and reach, it allows us to kind of leverage the best of global resources and, and bring them to the local context. Got it. So it, you, you work with these corporates like Microsoft, and if a, a nonprofit wants to access a nonprofit rate for their, their products, their services, you are the one who's making that determination whether they qualify? Yes, we, we um, are, you know, determining according to whatever the, the uh, desires are of the either the corporation or the foundation, um, okay. what level of diligence they're looking for. So it might be as simple as, you know, is this a legal social benefit organization in that country? 
um, and, and is it in good standing? Or it might be we only want to serve organizations that are you know under a million dollars in annual operating budget, or we only want to serve certain mission areas and not all mission areas. So we we have a, a, a system for doing that across everything. And as I say, for for the cash grants, you know that's a very there's a much you know, deeper process there for for that due diligence. Uh, and we can customize that in a sense for any stakeholder coming in with resources. And for the nonprofit, that's simply, I go online in my local language, I fill out this information on myself, and once I'm qualified by TechSoup staff, uh, then I can just look and see what I'm eligible for. I can join in to lots of you know, educational events and local training and um, community projects, as well as access those products and services. So it stream streamlines the process both for the... Uh... The, the corporations or foundations who who want to provide the the goods and services, and for the the smaller nonprofits around the world. Precisely, we should be making it easier for everybody to accomplish what they're trying to do. That's you know the the mission for us. Now. Yeah, and and how uh, how do you fund how do you fund the work that you do? Well, um, we are funded partially by grants and also largely by being a social enterprise ourselves. So uh, we about historically it's been around 95% of our income at present I think it's about 90% um, is is generated from um, administrative fees and fees that are for services that we're providing directly to the nonprofit organizations and in some cases to services to foundations who are paying a membership fee for for okay. what their their benefits are and so forth so we have a few different audiences that we monetize in terms of, of how we do that uh, it's it turns out when on the nonprofit front to be a relatively small amount of money spent per year, an average of say something around two hundred and fifty dollars in, in in U.S. currency, of course, uh, and and they're getting something like four or five thousand dollars worth of brand new technology and services, right? So it's a it's a, a good value for them, uh, and it sustains the service and allows us to uh, you know do the work that we do, kind of to make it all work inside. Um, we also have significant grant funding. And that's where the rest of that other 10% is, is coming from. And um, and that's for a lot of those kind of projects that I mentioned, uh, often that are about like field building exercises or at the community level, helping people learn uh, in Central and Eastern Europe, for example, or in, in Southeast Asia, how to use technology to tell counter narratives to some of the, the ways that uh, sometimes not so, uh, you know, ethically driven um, actors are, are making mm -hmm. use of that technology. Um, so as the, as the world becomes more and more digital, it just becomes critical for everyone to be included. And we have a core value around in inclusive uh, inclusiveness. So we, we think it's very important that people working at the really hyper-local level are also secure, their information is private, and they are also able to leverage the benefits of it. As the name of our show, Money and Meaning, implies, we we uh, we focus on that intersection of social impact and and investing. So we have not had a lot of nonprofits on the show, and, and generally when we do, it's in the context of some sort of cross sector collaboration. Um, but the reason that we're so excited to have you on, is, and Ken, maybe you can speak to this, is that TechSoup, I believe, is the first nonprofit who has done a, a national direct public offering. Could you explain kind of what that means and how it came to be? Yeah, so we launched our direct public offering about a year ago. So we're about a year into it. We're the first nonprofit that the SEC has qualified to do something that's called a Reg A plus tier two offering that enables us to reach out to all of our stakeholders in all 50 states 
and engage them as impact investors. So we um, have a strategic plan that we've put together and have done a lot of financial and operational planning. And we know that we need $11.5 million in growth capital in order to make it happen. Um, you know, a lot of nonprofits will try to raise the capital they need through donations and grants. In our case, we're doing a lot of investment in our capacity so that we can expand our offerings to the nonprofit sector globally. And it's uh, often difficult to get purely grant funding in, with the scale that we need in order to accomplish our strategic plan. Um, Rebecca challenged us to try to figure out a way to do a, uh, an offering that would make it possible for everyone in TechSoup's community, not just the foundations who support us and our corporate partners, but also the nonprofits in our network and their employees to participate in our uh, growth capital campaign. And in order to do that, you have to do it in a way that's compliant with securities regulation, both at a state and a federal level. Um, so we got a lot of really good um, advice from a, a firm here in the Bay Area called Cutting Edge Capital and guiding us in doing a, a securities offering that um, enables uh, us to work with um, people in our network to make investments in TechSoup that we use to grow our social impact and also to, at the same time, to grow our earned revenue so we can generate enough, enough cash flow to repay investors over a five-year period with interest. Uh, so that's how our, our direct public offering um, has uh, has gotten started. And in the year that we've launched, um, so we have raised about $8 million of the 11.5 that wow. we've tried to, to raise. And so we've had a really good response so far. Wow. Um, and how did you, you touched on it a little bit, I think, with the, you know, the trying to get all your stakeholders involved, but, but how did you decide that this was the appropriate uh, fundraising mechanism for, for what you were looking for? Right. So Rebecca felt it was really important for us to be engaging our um, stakeholders in a way that builds community. Um, and so by um, um, asking members of our community to co-invest alongside TechSoup in our future, it, it's a way for us to be able to communicate and strengthen the relationships with members of our community and to really help the nonprofits in our sector to see what our long-term vision is. Um, so it was really important for the, us to not just raise the capital that we need, uh, but also to do this in a way that engages our stakeholders and our community um, very deeply. Uh, and it turns out it's it's not very easy to um, to be able to do a, an offering of securities with um, very small minimum investments. We asked people in our community, what size investment do you think you'd be able to make in, in TechSoup? And we found that some people in our community wanted to make only 50 or or $100 investments. So we set it up with very low minimum investments so that it would be possible for everyone to participate. Um, so we, we've got uh, people in, investing in amounts as small as $50 all the way up to a million dollars. Microsoft Philanthropies made an investment um, in our DPO of a million dollars. Um, and so we've, we've got a whole range of different uh, investment sizes and three different note offerings with different interest rates, depending on the, the size of the investment that the investors are making. I can maybe add to that Please. something to say, too, that we, we in our core activity, we had a value around democratizing access, you know, to these technologies and digital resources. And, and so in a way, we also when we said, like, where did the idea come from? It was also an idea of kind of democratizing ac access to social impact and, and impact investing. By, by making it possible for the people who work every day on impact, you know, to also take a kind of a, an ownership stake, a different kind of a stake. And, um, you know, I didn't want us to be, 
I, I definitely want us to be guided by all of the great corporations that support this cooperative platform, as well as the foundations. But I wanted as well the voices from the community to, to be raised up and, as, as Ken said, to focus on engagement. So those were a couple of other uh, drivers in us uh, thinking about this model. And what has that response been like? And how does that uh, compare with your expectations going in? Well, I, I'll, I'll say that I think the response has been pretty good and, and you know, there's still more we want to do than, than mm -hmm. what we've been able to do to date. So I think like anybody's, um, anybody raising money, you know, through through a DPO or anything, uh, you know, it's easiest to do things with people who, who know you first in a way. And we've had a very strong response from a lot of places, not all known, but all pretty close to uh, the work that we do. And, um, you know, we're starting now, I think, to find that, you know, more interest is also being generated um, more broadly. And we, we want to also, you know, be able to um, figure out how we can engage those uh, investors. And um, as, as Ken said, we're, we're close to raising what we were looking for. Um, mm -hmm. But we're hoping that this is also a, a, a way for us to, to build on that engagement in that community. And, and maybe it will sometimes be different than funding this exact campaign, but still help fuel uh, growth in program areas and diversity of, of, in, of stakeholders in, in mm -hmm. TechSoup. Um, so I would answer the question that way. I don't know if, uh, if Ken wants to add a comment there. One of the things that's been really interesting is that different stakeholders have wanted to participate in different ways. Um, so mm -hmm. we've had yeah. um, some members of our nonprofit community that have wanted to make investments in our direct public offering. Some have cho chosen to make donations instead. Uh, we've had um, some of our corporate partners participate. Um, VMware Foundation decided that they wanted to make a recoverable grant uh, through their donor-advised fund of $2.5 million, um, so, wow. which we're really, really grateful to them for doing. And Nonprofit Finance Fund has made a $4 million investment in, in TechSoup um, through a, a loan agreement over uh, the next three years. Um, so different stakeholders have wanted to participate in different ways, and we've needed to be flexible to try to figure out a structure that works for everybody. It's an impressive corporate investment in TechSoup. Obviously, it's, it's a, a service that they feel warrants it, they feel strongly about. So congratulations on, on that. Ha, have you seen a, um, an increase in engagement from the stakeholders who have invested in, in the direct public offering? Do they feel a sense of not ownership, obviously, it's, it's a debt offering, right? But additional yeah. stake in the, the organization. In the yeah. air quotes way. Exactly. Yes, yeah. 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 Uh, well, I think so, for sure. I mean, we've had the, the um, opportunity to interview um, some of the uh, people who've invested. And, you know, many of them are people we didn't think we may have touched them in some way with services, but we didn't know of them mm -hmm. ourselves, you know. And uh, but the stories have been really interesting and really motivating. I mean, I have to say, you know, there are people who are doing something really amazing at the community level in some cases. And then, you know, kind of saying, oh, for years I have gotten support from, you know, TechSoup services and I just see how that's really valuable in my community. Or there may be a, a local funder in a, in a, you know, given community and they are saying, I see that all my grantees need help with technology. And, you know, I think this is a great resource for them, you know. Um, and I think that, you know, part of our aim here on the engagement side was, hey, you know what, everything is changing with technology. You know, mm -hmm. we're in a, you know, digital disruption is happening to us, but it's happening to all these stakeholders who depend on this service and depend on the, the corporations and it's happening to the corporations, right? So we're kind of at the center of that. So 
I felt like we, we needed to signal to everyone that we were paying attention to that and that we we expect to be changing and moving in this direction. And that's what the growth capital is for. But also we wanted other people to help guide us. And, and for me, that was part of that sense of ownership, like tell us whether we're on track, whether these are the services you need. If you if you you know have the opportunity to consider our growth capital campaign and our direct public offering, then you have the opportunity to read the story of mm-hmm. where we say we're heading. And, and you know, that might be the, the CEO of VMware saying this is good or this isn't good. And I'll give you some advice. And I know a lot about this or Microsoft telling us, you know, here's where the cloud and services are going and how you need to change. Or it might be people working, you know, for a humanitarian relief project saying this is what we need and we don't have, you know, what we need, say, from Adobe locally um, because we're not in Silicon Valley. You know, we're, we're working out in the community. Um, and so if you can help us uh, maybe take this request in and we, we have the privilege sometimes it's sitting at those discussion tables and, you know, occasionally we're able to influence those kind of things. And uh, and so, you know, that that's guiding us. So that that is a real form of ownership that for me as a CEO of the organization is incredibly helpful. What are the investors looking for in terms of reporting? Is it is it purely financial or are there impact metrics that, that they're looking for as well? Right. So there are um, a couple of different layers to this. So um, in the context of our um, our SEC offering, so we, okay. we do um, reporting every six months on our uh, financial progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so that information is all publicly available. The um, to, to the investors, in addition to that, we're doing ongoing impact reporting. So every quarter we're sending re- reports to the um, people that have made investments in our DPO so that they can hear the progress that we've made, um, how we've been able to use the funding to expand our capacity and touch more nonprofits and get more resources out to the global nonprofit sector. You know, I think one of the things that um, it differentiates the um, direct public offering that we're doing is that we've got a, a pretty clear um uh, social return on investment statements. So you know, there are two social impact metrics that we can track um, easily. One is the number of nonprofits uh, that we have touched. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so um, as Rebecca said earlier, we're almost at about 1.2 million that we um, have touched so far. And we have plans over the next three years to expand our outreach to 1.7 um, million nonprofits globally. Wow. That's and organizations, that's, not, that's right. not, not people. That's right. <laughs> that's incredible. Um, and we're also able to expand the value of the resources that we distribute to nonprofits globally. Um, so last year it was a little bit over $1.6 billion of um, donated and discounted technology products and services, and then some funding as well through our NGO source program. And we um, um, believe that with the expanded capacity and new products and services that we're developing through the strategic plan, that by uh, 2023, we'll be able to increase that to $4.8 billion. So we've we've done some projections and uh, we are estimating that for every $100 that is invested in our campaign, that we'll be able to distribute an incremental $47,000 worth of uh, resources to the global nonprofit sector. So uh, because we're a a platform, we're we're able to really use this as a, a leveraged impact. Yeah, it's pretty good social return on investment. And that, that doesn't even, so those metrics don't even count. You're working with nonprofits to provide them with technology and services, presumably increasing their capacity that's, and making them operate more efficiently at whatever good they're doing. That's, so that's another sort of tertiary impact. That's that exactly form. right. That doesn't include the, the, the impact of the technology on the nonprofits that we serve and on mm-hmm. their communities. So right. someday we'd like to be able to track that, uh, that impact um, 
uh, more comprehensively than we're able to do. Uh, but the, the two um, um, metrics, the number of nonprofits that we touch and the value of the resources that we get to them are things that we can, we can track and report back to investors on. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So for any uh, nonprofits who might be listening and, and kicking around this, this idea of a direct public offering, if you could go back to when you first had proposed the idea, would you do, do the same thing again or would you go through more sort of traditional funding channels? I would answer yes, uh, that, that um, I think there's a lot we learned and there were a lot of things we discovered on the way. So it isn't as though every little bit of it was exactly as we thought it would be when we started. And, um, and although I don't think that what we have done is, is exactly what every organization should do because it would not necessarily make sense, I think there are elements of it and, and also uh, a lot of the lessons learned that that are actually something that would be helpful to others. And I think, you know, we have a, a commitment to anything we do, whether it's developing technology or doing something like this impact investment. Um, we, we like to share those learnings with the community. So, you know, that's that's something that Ken's already begun to do and, and we hope to do more of. Uh, but, you know, I, I want to say that uh, the conversation, I think, really started uh, three years, you know, ago, and, and it took us, um, it took us a couple years for a few reasons. There was a, you know, we kind of started to file, but then we had to, we discovered some things we had to do that we didn't know we had to do like a different mm-hmm. kind of audit than the audit that we'd done in the past and things like that. So we had to, you know, we had to kind of re-audit and then that meant we had to, you know, take a different set of financials. So we had to kind of redo the offer. That was kind of a big thing that, you know, was a little disappointing at the time because it just took, you know, took us longer to get out. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but it is not something that happens instantly. Um, and I think that um, one thing I would say is it's, it's very important to know what you're doing, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish independent of, of this vehicle. Mm-hmm. Like in other words, um, for us, I didn't, I was really, you know, committed to um, making it about the real things that we're doing, you know, whereas sometimes I think grant writing can be, it's, it's obviously usually more targeted to a specific program or something that the funder specifically wants to support. It's not so common to get grants that are, uh, you know, so-called um, general capacity grants, right, that you can spend on the enterprise, so you can train your staff, or you can spend it on technology. It's hard to get that kind of funding. It doesn't exist very much. Um, and in our case, when we were getting grants, often it was for programs, specific activities or specific capabilities that they, somebody they want wanted to us to add. Yeah, it was. The end. They want to know that it's going directly to the end user. No, or... no, not so much that. But there's just a particular area that a funder is interested in. Okay. And or in, it might be in some cases, a foundation may say, we're, we're working with all these grantees and we want them all to use this this tool. So, you mm-hmm. know. They're, they're, it's a grant, but it's 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 guided at something that they're specifically looking for, or maybe there's a specific program area that we support, like our NGO source program, where the funders will will support more generally. But they're not they're not saying you can invest in NGO source and then you can use that for your uh, services programs. You know, it's more you know kind of project focused, and and that's okay. But when you, when it comes to building technology at scale and a and a digital platform that's going to support things. You will never get to scale doing that because you can't piece all those separate things together. And so there's a lot of value lost, you know, because you can't actually, you know, connect that. Now, now the the um, the strategic initiatives we have are more about this common cooperative technology platform and common marketplace with with common business process and a, and a data model in the center of it 
around this data on a million organizations that, that are part of TechSoup um, in order to build programming on top of it. So one, one area of programming is a, you know, a new, improved, and expanded um, nonprofit tech marketplace mm -hmm. like what we do today, but also um, using that data set um, to um, create more services around validation and due diligence that in, then unlock uh, you know, lots of uh, fundraising opportunities or unlock other kind of resources in the universe that that and people who want to make special offers for, for charities or allow charities themselves to be contributors. You know, maybe a nonprofit has developed an app or maybe they have templates, a way of doing things. Maybe they are they're experts for sure on the social issues they're working on. And maybe they're uh, they also have an expertise that they want to share so they could become contributors with content and, and offers in this marketplace um, and, uh, and then, you know, we've got the kind of whole area of apps that could be purpose built. Mm -hmm. So using existing technologies, you know, whether whoever's platform that might be, um, but doing it in a way that is, is making it possible for organizations to work in common platforms and collect common metrics and choose to share them if they want without them having to all get in a room together and explicitly collaborate. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a promise of a digital uh, future that cloud computing can enable. Um, so, you know, we're excited by that. And that's what the difference with this kind of funding is. It supports all of that because one investment in the platform supports any of those program areas, uh, which is just not really feasible with grant funding. You, you mentioned um, some lessons learned and alluded to maybe a report or some other way that you're going to, to release this out to other uh... You're looking at, at Ken. Do you have any lessons that, that you could share now that maybe would be relevant to somebody else who is thinking about going through this this process? We've been doing some some blogging um, to okay. get some of these lessons learned out to the community. But um, yeah, this um, strategy of doing a direct public offering and a, a debt securities offering is not really something that makes sense for all nonprofits, as Rebecca said. So in particular, you need an, an earned revenue strategy and you need to have a community of stakeholders that are uh, willing and able to get engaged as, as impact investors. Um, and uh, it's really important to partner with the right experts. Um, there's several different kinds of um, direct public offering structures. Some mm -hmm. of them are state-based um, offerings. Some of them are SEC-regulated national um, offerings. Mm -hmm. But you know, we, as a nonprofit um, social enterprise, we don't have expertise in securities regulation and right. uh, and crowdfunded securities offerings. So we very early on had to get advice from securities attorneys and. Uh, uh, financial advisors. We worked with a firm called Cutting Edge Capital here in the Bay Area who really guided us to the right structure for us. And so I think getting that kind of expertise early on is really important. Um, it's, it's also really important to try to figure out a way to um, engage your stakeholders um, in a way that makes sense for an, an offering like this. So we we wanted to do really small investment sizes. Mm -hmm. um, so we needed to have an online transaction platform that makes it possible for people to do their investments um, online in a, 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 a timely and cost-effective way. Um, and so we have been working with a platform called SVX that has been helping us through just the mechanics of uh, investment transactions. That's helped us uh, a real lot. Yeah, but I, I think, you know, in particular, it's just, it's really important to know um, what kind of structure is best for your particular organization. And, and so um, really figuring out a strategy from early on is, is very important. Yeah, I imagine that there's, there's an, ex, an upfront expense that not 
all nonprofits could take on that you don't even know necessarily if it'll bear fruit down the road because you don't know if it's you'll be approved by the SEC or if you will have stakeholders who are interested in in investing. So it's a it's a risk that, that must be tough for a lot of nonprofits to to make. That's also why I kind of started out with the you, you have to have a vision that you're working to and build a plan for that that you're building because that's the the North Star that you're following. Mm-hmm. And then then all the work that you're doing in a way for the offering, you're really doing because you need to do it anyway, just to achieve your your vision, right? So right. and and I think that pretty much any nonprofit would will benefit from that. And it is hard to find the time to do it, of course. But um, I think it's easy to be um, as a nonprofit, especially as most nonprofits don't have the kind of social enterprise income stream that we have. You know, they mm-hmm. have a hundred percent dependence on grant funding or maybe individual giving, but it's happening you know, you can sort of count that some of it will happen in the second or the third year, but you don't always know that. So, you know, they're really in a very different kind of environment. But but I think this this starting with where you want to go and not thinking just about separate grants, but rather where would you go as an enterprise if you could, mm-hmm. um, that feels like it would benefit anyone, you know, to do that. And I think that, um, you know, that was definitely something that, you know, I, I tried to hold to that as we went along the way, that we weren't doing a lot of things, especially for this. Now, the things that you you have to do special, which are more related to being up to snuff and from a regulatory point of view and to pass muster from, from all those things, again, we should be doing those anyway and doing that anyway to run an organization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, there was some expense involved because we, we had to... Um, move to a securities level audit, as I mentioned. So that was something that um, wasn't in our original budget and planning, although we had, you know, some budget for costs and so forth. Um, so that was something that, you know, we then had to decide, is this worth doing and should we continue with it? Um, mm-hmm. And that wouldn't necessarily, you know, apply to everyone if you weren't doing this particular type of uh, DPO. Yeah, but I imagine having that high percentage of, of earned revenue, I think you said 90 to 95%, I imagine that was part of the reason that you were approved by the SEC to do this type of offering? Maybe there's an increased chance of being able to pay back. I don't know. Would you, would you? Well, I, I think it's certainly a big part of the reason that the okay. investors who participated have decided okay. to invest in yeah. us. And one of the things that we, we had to do early on is a lot of financial planning. Mm-hmm. So it's do really detailed financial forecasting and modeling so that we could really see for all of the investment capital that we're bringing in, how we're going to spend it and, and how... Um, uh, it, it leads to increased revenue growth and mm-hmm. also cost savings um, from scale over time. So we really needed to think really hard about where the, the the savings and the revenue was coming from, so that we could be very certain that investors would be paid back over a five year period. Mm-hmm. So, and they're very much looking at our earned revenue stream and the fact that we had a a, a long history of growth and earned revenue was something that was important to every investor who's participated. On that note, what's next for TechSoup? How'd you come to that number, eleven and a half? million and, and what you know what are you planning on using that for well it, it'll be in the programmatic areas that i mentioned um deepening that impact you know okay. we, we have a presence in in those countries but uh you know it's it's not enough to really have met you know all needs uh, in in many places right mm-hmm. plus technology itself is changing so um you know there's there's a big movement to the cloud but uh, you know that's a different model of of you know kind of finding the funding for and paying for something that's an ongoing expense. Uh, but it's also uh, something where if you don't have a lot of uh, you know technology staff on board, uh, it can be 
it can seem not so simple, you know, mm -hmm. to make your choices. You know, the, when we first um, started the, some of this work 18 years ago um, and, and set up the platform, you know, the barrier was the cost of this package of software. But mm -hmm. now the barrier might be, well, there are 250 CRM systems I could use. I know I need a CRM because I've heard of that before, but you know, now the question is how do I choose and then how do I adopt it? And if I've existed for a little while and my data is kind of in Excel spreadsheets or in a few different applications, how do I actually get what I want out of it? So, so there's a services component that is required to really help organizations and more, and more education and guidance. And then there are also uh, training skills. You know, it's not enough. You don't want to just adopt technology. You want to change the way you're doing things to take advantage of that technology. Mm -hmm. And that's what's different in, in 2019 from what it was. So what we want to do is make sure that we're relevant, that our services are really um, aimed at enabling those things to happen. Uh, so we're, we're a lot of the on-premises software and things we've historically had, you know, they're still um, available uh, through TechSoup, um, but we're also uh, increasingly helping organizations discover, use, adopt um, cloud technologies, and um, that that creates requirements for different hardware than they have, and it, it creates requirements for services. So we're increasingly offering mm -hmm. that, as well as we have a digital skills center on um, our, our learning platform. Um, in, in addition to some of the other kind of projects we do that are more kind of sector specific or bringing a, a cohorts of people together uh, to try to help them, you know, kind of collectively move to a, a digital state of being. And so that's really what our, our um, emphasis is on. And that requires us to, you know, we, we've got a, we've got old systems ourselves because uh, when we first started these donation programs, e-commerce was a new thing, and that's a long time ago. Um, and so uh, a modern marketplace ha has a different sort of uh, customer experience and allows many people to be contributors, mm -hmm. and that lowers transaction costs, and that can make us deliver a lot more value back to the sector. And it also enables us to be used um, for you know our validation and data services and this connecting platform in a way that goes even beyond technology to other capacity building resources. So that's what the vision is. Do you help that nonprofit who's deciding between 200 CRMs to make the determination of which one is best for, for their purposes? Or do you have one that you really like, that you've vetted, that you work with, that you recommend for all everyone who needs that software? Or how do you? We kind of do make... some of both. I mean, okay. we, we will have um, vetted good solutions available. There might mm -hmm. be more than one. Um, we, we seek those partnerships out and try to make it easy for those companies to offer something, you know, to, to organizations either donated or at a, at a you know, affordable level. Um, we also have built purpose-built solutions and, 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 you know, kind of come back with that to say this, this is the, and showcase other people who've been doing that, you know, so there are apps available. And then we have the services and we have something called Consultant Connection, which helps an organization who might be looking for help find it because part of what's difficult about getting help is finding it. And it, when you, when we survey nonprofits, they'll, they'll tell you they, it's difficult. Sometimes you can find an expert or a volunteer, but they don't really understand nonprofits and there are differences. And um, I think it can be easy for sometimes people to feel that everything should be the same. Finance should be the same here as anywhere else, but it, it is different because you know, grant accounting has its own kind of peculiarities, for example. So yes, we can use those systems, but it's not like the software developers at the big companies are making features and functions mm -hmm. that are really for this audience, because as big as the nonprofit sector is, 
And, you know, it's, it's something like four and a half percent of global GDP, I think, and 250 million workforce, if you consider also the volunteers who work in the sector. So it's sizable, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it's made up of a lot of tiny organizations and mm-hmm. it, it is really, uh, you know, the, the long tail uh, in, in that sense. So um, they're not necessarily a collective voice who's influencing what features are happening. So that, that need for those services is also there. So we're, we're trying to build that ecosystem. And it, sometimes we're doing it directly and sometimes we're working with other service providers who are willing to bring that to the nonprofit sector or who have an understanding of the nonprofit sector um, and, and try to make those you know, connections happen peer-to-peer or um, peer-to-expert, you know, so to speak, and, uh, and not one solution for all because there can be many reasons why in a particular situation uh, an organization's working with some kind of infrastructure already and it'll be a hybrid solution and not, mm-hmm. not just simply a, a clean sheet where they can start from scratch. You know? Interesting. So if an expert wanted to donate their time to a nonprofit, you would help match them with the nonprofit that would be best served with their skill set? Yes. And that in some of those things happen today and some of them are in the plan to happen. Okay. And, that, and that's one that, except for this consultant connection service that I mentioned, we, we haven't done a lot of, of direct connecting to um, volunteers, but this is something we'd like to do. Um, because, you know, we know that there's a demand for it and it could be valuable. And a lot of the corporations we work with would also like to have their staff engage and the staff is excited to do it. And sometimes in the nonprofit sector, it's just hard to know, you know, who does what and who to engage with. And we all know kind of the bigger names. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's great. They do wonderful work and, and they're important. And, you know, I would never say don't donate or, or volunteer time there. But I also think that um, sometimes people are really excited to learn about someone who's doing you know, kind of creative and interesting work and is maybe a little bit more nascent, uh, either in a, you know, geography that they care about or an issue, a social issue that they're focused on or in their, in their neighborhood. And, um, and I think this is one thing that when we can unlock some of the data that, that is available through TechSoup, mm-hmm. uh, I think we can really help people see what a robust, amazing it's very complex and amazing, uh, the, the nonprofit sector. And, um, you know, we've got some good resources in a few countries like, you know, GuideStar in the U.S. and, and a few databases like that in, in the U.K., some Australia, some of the more uh, English-speaking countries uh, most of the time. But, but that doesn't exist so much in most of the rest of the world. And uh, so we're, we're really keen to try to figure out how to bring that information and that visibility uh, and transparency out, not not only in a watchdog way, which is sometimes how transparency gets talked about, but, right. but actually in a way that is, you know, kind of unlocking a lot of potential in the universe. Right. Um, is there anything that, that I haven't asked either of you that you'd like to, to talk about? Let me just say that, um, you know, a lot of the learning curve and the lessons learned that we picked up over the last three years, as I said, I'm really eager to share with others in the sector. Um, and with not social enterprises, nonprofits mm-hmm. that are considering doing a similar kind of campaign, uh, should please feel free to reach out to me and I'd be happy to answer questions or share more about our, our experiences. And they can uh, reach me by email at ktsunoda at techsoup.org. And I'd be uh, very happy to answer any, any questions that any of your listeners have. I appreciate it. I'll just add that on, on techsoup.org, um, and, and Ken can correct me if I don't have my details right. I know there's at least uh, one webinar that, that already was done. I think there might have been a couple that you've That's done, right. Ken, and, and a blog post as well. about The blog post is specifically about lessons learned. 
Okay. Uh, but but it's uh, the webinars have also shared kind of some of the behind the scenes things. Um, so those are things that people could find. Um, is that correct? That's absolutely right. And, well, and um, yeah, information about our, our growth capital campaign and direct public offering also at techsoup.org. And there's also um, a lot of information about our offering at svx.us.com, which is where people who are interested in investing or in learning more about the details of the offering can, can go to get more information. Great. Appreciate it. And we'll, we'll publish uh, on our website, socialcapitalmarkets.net, we'll publish a post um, and link to, to, to this information. So any of the listeners who want to learn more or, or donate um, or get in touch with you, to, we'll, we'll make sure that, that they can do that. We would love to have that support, obviously. And as Ken said, very happy to talk. And I'm, I'm just Rebecca at TechSoup.org. So I'm kind of even easier because you don't, because my last name is too complicated too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rebecca, Ken, thank you both so much for, for taking the time to, to speak with me today. Thank you, Alex. It's Thanks, great. Alex. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Money and Meaning. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Rebecca and Ken from TechSoup. As always, on our website at socialcapitalmarkets.net, we'll publish a blog with additional information for anyone who wants to learn more about the direct public offering or about TechSoup. We have some great episodes in the pipeline, so make sure you subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Uh, next will be an interview with Joan Loria from Convergence about blended finance and international development. We also have conversations with Matthew Davey from Kiva about Kiva Protocol and their, their systems change financial inclusion work, and with Tom Ferguson from Imagine H2O about investing in, in water startups. So really excited to bring those to you over the next, uh, the next month or two. So stay tuned. Please rate us five stars, share it with a friend, and we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. You've been listening to Money and Meaning, unlikely allies building new markets for impact. With your hosts, Lindsay Smalling and Alex Kravitz. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are heard. To learn more, check out our website, socialcapitalmarkets.net. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SoCapMarkets. Thanks for listening.